Welcome to Nana Tings. Hey hoes, it's Antonio here with another Tings Time episode on Nana Tings. So we're going to get into some Tings such as my LASIK eye surgery journey. I know y'all been wanting to hear about that, so it's about time we put this in this episode. We're also going to talk about being a driver in a relationship versus the backseat passenger option, which has been really cool as like a social experiment for myself. And then I want to quickly talk about being an extroverted introvert because... We need to just talk about that because one minute I want to hang out and one minute I don't. (laughs) So we're going to get to these things after this break. So while you're hearing these ads and shit, grab a blunt, grab your champagne, water, tea, whatever the fuck you want, and enjoy the ride. Hey everyone, I just want to say I have three books out right now and I appreciate the support from all of you, from everyone that got my first book, Falling Androids in Phoenix, to my second, Romance in a Mono Road, and my current third, Baby, Antonio's Return. Check it out at Barnes & Noble and also Amazon. You can easily just search my name, Antonio Laranzo, L-I-R-A-N-Z-O, and go get a copy, review it, love it, share it, and all the teens. Okay. All right, so one of the topics I want to get into is taking the back seat with dating and friendships. Now, I am one of those people that is the aggressor, obviously not in a crazy way, which I would hope not in a crazy way, but (laughs) um, in, in the relationship. So I'm the kind of person where, like, if I like someone, right, I have no problem messaging them daily or you know every two days or being the first ones you know initiate plans and text messages and stuff like that but i'm like that with friends too usually like i am always like okay we're gonna do this we're gonna do that because i know i personally have a busy schedule or as an artist sometimes you know i'm doing three four things a week or five different jobs and gigs it could get a little hectic um but one thing i've been trying to do with friends and you know dating potentials you know possible boyfriends (laughs) um is taking the back seat now the back seat can be a little intimidating because it's it sort of is on the same spectrum with the unknown right and for us that have anxiety um anyone with an anxiety disorder or just humans that experience anxiety here and there a lot of it can stem from the unknown right say you're a high school student and you think you're going to get a bad score in your sat the unknown you don't know yet right that's going to drive you crazy. Um, or, oh my gosh, when you're talking to someone and they text you like, hey, we need to talk. How how many of y'all, lis- like, y'all listeners ever get that quick like stab in the stomach like, oh my gosh, what's about to happen, right? Or isn't this the worst now? Because like day and age with social media, when a fuckboy is like, or a guy is checking your social media, like uh, is on your Instagram story, but they can't text you. So you automatically think that they're going to ghost you or they don't care about you. But in reality, it could be that they're, they're so busy at work that their, their 10 second break is going on your story because they think you're cute. Right. Um, but the unknown, you, you don't know, you don't know until you know, right now that could go two ways. You could either challenge yourself and be like, listen, until I know I'm not going to stress, or you could go into this realm of like, what the fuck? So that's why I've always stayed away from the backseat side of things. Cause like not that I have like control issues, but I like to know and be in control. So one thing I've been working with my therapist on is getting comfortable with the unknown. 
and you know I'm trying to go full-time in my art career now which has been really exciting and honestly has been a great journey the past few weeks but there's a lot of un- uncertainty with you know artistry you know, one minute you could be hot one minute you could be not you know uh if you're doing acting work um like I was supposed to be on a tv show and it got pushed back like there, there's just so much that can happen but doing this and living my dreams has been really teaching me the unknown and with that I've been able to use these tools and this new mentality with dating so I sort of so my dating instincts is always like oh my gosh if I don't hear from him at least once daily he doesn't care about me or you know like oh my gosh two days went by do I double text you know things like that and I'm learning that like you know as we get older we get more busy and life gets more sophisticated it you know people are fucking busy you're not gonna be their priority especially when you're starting to date someone like you obviously like with love you want to be someone's priority right and that's fine and that's what love is but that's when you're official right or married or you know there's kids involved or there's something that is there you're living together or you see them as your life partner when it's new new you know you gotta understand someone is living their life right they're doing them and that's when everything falls into place and you're new you're a new factor of their life so they have to figure out how that fits, right? Is this the right person? The energy and all that. So with all this being said, I, I've been getting comfortable with the back seat. Um, I, I'm notoriously known for rushing into things, you know, making some of my boyfriend in five weeks. <laughs> Listen, to the gays in the back, I'm with you on this one. <laughs> um, but I'm getting comfortable with now just knowing that things will work out. I, I Maybe it's my faith in the universe or my faith in manifestation, but it's okay to not have to text someone every day. And it's cool to be busy with my artistry, whether one day I'm acting or writing poetry or going to a dance class, um, and then hitting up someone that I like after and, you know, seeing if we could do dinner or something or cuddle. And I don't know, it's scary at times because, like I said, habitual-wise, like, I have dating instincts to be the alpha, to always chase, to need the reciprocation 24-7. But you know, for once, it's cool to be the passenger and not the driver. And don't get me wrong, like, there's been moments in my life where I was was the driver on a one-way street, and I wasn't getting exactly what I wanted back, you know? And not not even, like, a high-expectation way, just in, like, a dude, like, where are we way, you know? Um, So don't get me wrong, I think relationships should be 50-50, it should be a two-way street. But with that being said, you should be able to be both, right? You should be a driver in certain situations whether it's picking out what restaurant what movie or just saying hey good morning cutie you know something like that and then you should also be able to be the passenger and backseat passenger where you let them take the lead for the night right or you let them you know you let them pick and you get to enjoy that reciprocation uh yeah it's a little little food for thought it's my own i guess fall slash winter challenge (laughs) but stay tuned for more so I'm going to talk about something that I know y'all bitches been wanting me to talk about, my LASIK experience. <laughs> so I got LASIK back in August. It was about the second to last week of August, to be exact. I'm trying to think of, like, the exact date, but honestly, shit has been flying. Bye! I'm looking right now. Yeah. I got about the second to last week um, of August, and it was... Um, 
I'm just gonna lay out literally my mindset and like everything that happened pretty much because everyone's story with LASIK, I guess, you know, it is different and the healing process could be similar, but at the same time, it also depends on how your body heals and all that kind of stuff. For me, I went into it, you know, you do your eye exam first about like, I guess a week before, because honestly, the turnaround rate of getting to make sure that you're a candidate for it and then getting the procedure could be as fast as a three-day wait or a few months wait. For me, it was actually only three days. So I went in and got my eye tested, my eyesight tested, and they made sure like, you know, I was like, Henry, I was 20 over 80. I didn't really have any um, stigmatism or anything like that. But one of my eyes had like a little thing in it, but we were good to go. Now you have two options of LASIK. You can either get the really bougie one, which they they describe it as like, the regular one is like an HGTV, and then the one that's for an extra $600 is like getting a plasma. Of course, it's your eyes, and you're already laying out like two to three thousand dollars. I got the more expensive one because fuck it. Like I literally, for the past, I would say ten to fifteen years, I've been wearing glasses or contacts, and I was twenty over eighty, and it would suck that if I, you know, those days like when you're really tired and you wake up right, and like you just forget to grab your wallet or keys or whatever, right? For me, the worst was forgetting my contacts because then I'm fucking blind. Like, even I remember when I used to go to the city a lot earlier, like a few years back, um, and I forgot my contacts. I couldn't even see, like, train times or, or you know, like, street signs. So th- these little things, you, I guess you get used to using contacts and eyeglasses. And then once you have LASIK, you're like, whoa, I can fucking see. So anyways, I opted for that. And then they told me I, that in three days they have a procedure ready for me. So I was like, listen, why not? I might as well get my eyes changed within three days. Now, I went to the LASIK Institute. They're great. I went to the one in Garden City. They're all over America. And they actually offer coupons. Um, if you have insurance, you could get about 1000 to $1,500 off, which is honestly amazing because you could also get care credit where you pay for the amount that you uh, spent within a uh, 24-month increment. So, honestly, not that bad. And it's so worth it, because anyways, contacts these days are fucking expensive. Like, I was dropping 1000 to 1200 a year just on contacts, and then if you add glasses to it, maybe an extra 150 200 right? So, the day of the procedure, I go in, they prep you. Um, the procedure itself was literally six minutes. I'm not even kidding. Like, I late... Okay, so I'm going to talk about the exact procedure because it's a little scary at first so you lay down and at first they put gas bubbles right so you see the bubbles like you don't feel it because like they they gave me um numbing eye drops and so i just see the bubbles and then i just i could hear him pop them so (laughs) i wish i could explain how this felt just what it's just like watching just like a um i don't even know what the tool's called but like a little scraper popping the bubbles on the eyes and it's the weirdest pressure feeling and and watching it was just the weirdest experience to be honest um and then he goes your eyesight is gonna go out for like 20 seconds and just stare at a light now girl i have an anxiety disorder so i'm like my eyesight's about to go out what the fuck i'm doing this to not get blind you always hear those crazy stories right where it's like oh one of a billion people who go blind from it so i'm over here like oh my god what's happening i'm freaking out um so i don't know what tool he uses but it shuts down or shuts out my eyesight like i literally it just goes black and what's crazy is that i can see out of like the right eye still so like 
you know, your body just starts reacting, being like, okay, why is one eye blind? One eye is not, you know? And then you just start seeing a laser out of nowhere. And I guess staring at the color, that was the actual laser of lasering my eye. Um, anyways, that took 20 seconds, done. Went to my right eye. Great. I finished the procedure, went home. Now, they recommend that you sleep the first 24 hours. The thing is, I got my procedure at like 9 in the morning. So I'm over here like, what the fuck am I going to do? Because you can't really open up your eyes. You have to do eye drops every four hours. And you can't open your eyes, though, because it's the first day of laser. Your eyes are producing like a waterfall of tears. Like literally, I did not stop crying. And when the numbing drops wear off, your eyes start burning. So I don't want to, I don't want to say this to, you know, tell people not to get it. Like, I'm so happy I still got it. But girl, it was a moment. I'm very thankful I had my mom. You know, I've, I made some podcasts about my relationship with my mom, but I will say one thing that she's good at is being a nurturing mother because I fucking needed a nurse when I got home. Um, she walked me out. Thank bless her. She drove me home. Wouldn't needed. And then I couldn't, I couldn't really see to go to the bathroom or to eat or anything. So I'm th- thankfully I had my mom, you know, made me, she made me lunch, she made me dinner. Uh, she came in and she did my eye drops because I can't even imagine living alone and doing this because you have to put eye drops in your eyes every four hours about. And cause like they give you two steroids, just God forbid an infection and then inflammation. And then you have regular eye drops because your, your eyes are going to feel like sandpaper for the first four weeks. And my mom helped me a lot because when I say they were in burning pain, I, you know, you just went through surgery. Yes, it was light surgery, but it's still surgery. So your body reacts to the trauma. Like what the fuck is going on? Like I had a fever out of nowhere. I had chills. Yeah. The next day though, I wake up. It's fine. It's crazy. It really is crazy to turn around. So the pretty much instructions for the following two weeks after your first day of the procedure is you have to wear goggles when showering. Um, you don't want water in your eyes because you're healing. Uh, you have to, for a week, wear night shields, so there's no rubbing in the eye or rolling over on it. And then for a week, I was prescribed uh, pretty much like antibiotics or an- anti-inflammatory, so it was two steroids for making sure there's no uh, bacteria going into it or there's no infection, and to make sure that the eyes are not inflamed and that they're healing properly with the flaps. And then you're doing... Um, Eye drops, uh, pretty much artificial tears, non-perative, by the way, because you want to make sure you have the real top-notch shit in your eyes for four weeks, and they're different timing. About a week is like once every hour, and then it goes to two. You know, a doctor is going to prescribe it per person, but that's pretty much the protocol. So two weeks go by, my eyes are good. At night, it's typical you see the little halo around like certain lights and street lights, like that. Uh, usually goes away within six months. Right now, I'm in month what? Start October, November. I'm in three months, so I still have that a little bit of effect. So I'm waiting for that to go away. Um, but during the day, right? You know, it is recommended to wear sunglasses because let me tell you, when you first get the surgery, your eyes will be sensitive to light as fuck. Like you need to wear sunglasses even watching TV. But normally that goes away in two weeks, right? For me, I didn't have that case. Now this is the one thing I will say that whoever is listening you if you feel like you need more time with the anti-inflammatory drops and and antibiotics ask your doctor because i was reading online that 
normally people get these steroid drops for two weeks. I was prescribed it for one week. Now, I'm not saying that LASIK Institute, you know, did it wrong for me, but I know a lot of their patients are fine with one week. I happen to have more of a sensitive body. And yeah, it really fucked up. So after two weeks, I started still becoming sensitive to light. I couldn't go out. Um, oh my gosh, like it, it was still summer. So, or, you know, before fall. And it, yeah, I was to say like beginning of September, I couldn't even go outside or even with shades on. It was, it was insane. And I went to my doctor and this is about three weeks after the procedure or four weeks. And she was like, oh my gosh, yeah, your eyes are really inflamed still. Like my my eyes were not healing. So recently, the past five weeks, I've been on extra uh, steroid eye drops. And good news is my eyes are great. (laughs) Uh, It took five extra weeks and now I'm starting the healing process all over again because those five weeks I literally had to put in drops about, it was like for one week you were doing it one every hour, then it was uh, uh, every two hours, every three hours, every four hours. And then at like five hours once a day if needed. It was like, it was pretty much a five week program. Um, and the problem is I'm, I guess I'm a rare exception where my body is just more hypersensitive to things, which I already know that, um, with my autoimmune shit and just all that stuff. So pretty much my advice with that is like, if you know you're more sensitive or you just feel like something's not right, or, you know, just preventative, like if you want to make sure that, you don't want to have a, a moment where you're healing and then I know your eyes are inflamed. You're allowed to take the antibiotics and the steroids an extra week. So I just want to put that out there. Another cool thing, though, actually, is I don't have the dry eye symptoms. So I know some people have dry eye when they're using a lot of contacts, right? Or they just have it, right? So you hear a lot with LASIK being like, oh, my gosh, dry eye could be a common symptom. To be honest, a lot of my friends and I, we don't really have dry eye I, I don't get me wrong i do have some friends that like post lace like have dry eye till today and it's been two years after their procedure but they also had dry eye before lasik for me my dry eye was only about the first six weeks of the procedure so i was doing the artificial tears you know making sure my eyes stay hydrated and, and moist um, and lubricated but to be honest uh where i'm at now i haven't really used an artificial tear in like two weeks so yeah um that's pretty cool. I thought I would need to be using that. But that's pretty much my LASIK procedure experience. Um, short and sweet. Uh, it was definitely scary. <laughs> uh, but I don't regret it uh, because I am fucking happy. You know, you know those like, it's just like little things where like I sleep out at our friends. You know, I don't got to worry about, oh my gosh, am I sleeping in my contacts? Or, oh my gosh, like I need, I need solution or or this and that. No, I could just wake up. <laughs> and honestly, you know, talking this podcast right now, it's hitting me that like, I think it's one of the best decisions I made to really just, yeah, get my eyes fixed at least for the next 10 years, baby. But I also got a uh, lifetime insurance, which is pretty cool. So if you do get it, I recommend getting that because if you need a touch up in like 10 to 15 years, it's covered. So honestly, for all my contact and eyeglasses, you know, wears, um, this is something to think about. And I understand the anxiety that comes from it because like I said, when one of my eye, when one of my eyes went black and the other one I could see, I was like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> but through it all, through the help of my mom and 
a lot of rest and the right treatment of steroids, uh, I, I can I can see and I have perfect vision. So cheers to that, baby. Yo, I was reading an article the other day about being an extroverted introvert, and I, I've read a few articles throughout time about it. But I really want, I want to make a quick segment, and like anyone that's listening, please feel free to DM me and like talk about this because I feel like society is sort of set up you know those like standard in society where like everyone needs to be hot safe face be social be that bad bitch be super popular whatever but honestly i think one thing that covid taught us you know the slowdown pace and a lot of solo or alone time or self-reflection hopefully everyone were were able to you know have a a self-reflection moment but i like my alone solo time like don't get me wrong i love hanging out with people and dancing and you know cuddling hot boy (laughs) but i I, i'm learning that as an empath i i I like to pick the environments that i want to hang out in or i like to pick the people that i want in my energy circle and for me it's like selective extrovertedness like at the end of the day, what makes me really happy is watching a movie with my cat. <laughs> to be honest, like, no human being around me, just my cat. Or being alone. Like, not even with my cat, but my cat is, like, my emotional support and she just makes me so happy, Onyx. But that, for me, shows you my introvertedness, na- like, my introverted nature. Like, I, I thrive, actually, being alone and planning like uh creative opportunities and and career moves and and working on myself or or just dancing and choreographing by myself or singing or or drawing or journaling and then when it is with someone when i want to have a little bit of a social extroverted moment i need to make sure it's the right energy around me and i feel protected in a safe realm so that means like usually like one friend two friends and if it's three or four cool but like everyone needs to vibe and be on the same wavelength you feel me like i talked about this in other podcasts and wrote about it like i'm all about low intensity high vibrations i need people that don't trigger my anxiety or overpower me but also like feed me vibrational wise and are not just surface level um conversational humans you know um and i think this is something that's been really talked about a lot lately where people are like hey like I had a great time with you last night but I need to hibernate and I'm like that like I'll have one night where I'm like drunk fucked up till four in the morning going out but then you won't see me for a week or two I'm just MIA and it's funny because when I was younger I was a party boy right and people saw this image of me of like he hosts he does this he parties he goes crazy he drinks like Antonio come out this weekend why are you staying in you're a grandpa blah 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 I'm over here like, bitch, I'm getting old. <laughs> but it's not even just getting old. It's like, bitch, I'm, I just finally, finally learned who I was. You know, y'all have been listening to my podcast for a year now. Some of y'all bought my books. You are my Instagram. You know what I'm about and you know my transition of learning who I am. In all honesty, I have been the most authentic me this past year and a half. Like, I'm not that party boy. And that doesn't mean you can't party. Like, partying is partying. Like, you're allowed to be introverted and have a fucking social moment, right? So, like, 
don't get me wrong, I love a good Prosecco wine moment, but like I like it with four friends watching a movie now. Or if it's in a club, I like to have a table moment and not people on me, you know? And this even sound bougie, just like respecting my energy and also like energy is such a big thing. Like I want to be able to go home and I feel depleted, you know? Um, but yeah, I think it's cool. I think it's cool to tap in more into that shyness because like, like I said, society, media, you know, always the geek or unpopular person or person that was picked on was always the introverted, quiet, shy one. But in reality, like, it's fucking cool to just do you. You feel me? Like, it's it's cool to be alone. And it's cool to also, like, not want to be around people or, like, socialize. But then it's also cool to, like, have a moment and hang out with a friend, you know? So to all my uh, extrovert introverts in the back, I feel you, I see you, I am you. <laughs> Talk to you later on Nana Tings.